Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Yes. Living Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy that knows no end. God, sweep through this place as we get into your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. Oh, speak to us, O oh living God. Give us direction, give us wisdom. Correct where we need more than a nudge. Lord God, and I pray that you would cancel the assignments of the enemy over people's lives. Let your sovereign will and your might override any petty theft that he has for our lives. And God, I pray that some people in here, I pray that you would help them to re-grab their joy. And that they will learn the secret of in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Help us to know it, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Let's give God a big old hand praise. Amen. 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 Um, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. As you turn there, um, <laughs> I want you to, um, uh, our members to be here on this Wednesday. We have some things that we're seeking the Lord through and we need as much support. I know y'all trust us and y'all sometimes don't show up to meetings, <laughs> but I need you to, we need you to see what's going on and what God is up to. Um, cause I, I was, I was, I've been, okay. I left extra early this morning and I don't usually drive because of three services, but I drove today and I just drove through some stuff and I'm, um, I'm, 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 we need God to do some things as a church. Um, there's some things that, uh, are on our, uh, on our community. Really? It ain't what we need. It's what this city needs. And I'm trusting God that we have a community here that are going to be that for these areas in the city. And so in coming this Wednesday, we're going to talk through some of that stuff <laughs> and begin to pray. And I'm going to need you to get your resources ready. Um, yeah, we need you to get your resources ready. Because um, I, I, I believe that this church, even in this generation, I believe that this generation um, um, is a giving generation. Somebody say Amen. amen. Amen, and um, and um, it's it's a beautiful thing, and so we want to see uh, some invest, some significant investment in our city that we need God to do to change lives. Somebody say change lives. Change Proverbs sixteen verses one through four and verse nine. <laughs> you know how we do on three. Read one, two, three, go. to the Lord, and your plans will be established. 
Amen. Those are some good verses, aren't they? Amen. 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 <clears throat> I want to talk about for our time today, trained to make good decisions. How to be trained to make good decisions. Let's pray again. Lord, let these words flow from heaven and change lives, particularly men, as we're in our manhood series. Lord God, anchor them in truth. Uh, as their hearts are opened and waiting for a word from you. God, will you deliver it? I'm emptied. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Trained to make good decisions. <laughs> I remember when I first started walking with the Lord, um, when I, 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 you know, how many of y'all remember when you first started walking with the Lord? See, everybody ain't got their hands up. I'm, we waiting for y'all. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do that again. How many of y'all remember when y'all first started walking with the Lord? Anybody? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, interestingly enough, um, when I first started walking with the Lord, I was, I was getting good doctrine. I, I kind of I had on, on my left side um, uh, the, 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 the Baptist church, and on my right side, I had the Pentecostal charismatic church. <laughs> and so... I was, I was getting my doctrine and my formation from both sides, beautiful thing, that, that helped form me. Uh, and, and one of the things, you know, I, 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 would, you know I, I prayed about everything. I don't know if when you first, you prayed about everything. You, you, I mean, I, mean, I, mean there, there was, I, I was legalistic. I, I know I was judgmental, you know. I, I ain't even going front. I was judgmental, you know how you are. We're judgmental on everybody but ourselves, amen. You know, I prayed about, of course, who I should marry and what school should I go to for grad school and, you know, for the rest of my life. But then I started praying about all kinds of other stuff. What should I eat? You know, the Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just want to know whether or not it's this burger or this burger, God. I want to be in your perfect will, God, right now. You know, I mean, just, you know, just, just praying about everything, <laughs> praying about what I should wear and some of us should still do that, but praying. <laughs> anyway, um, but 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 I but I was I was I, I, I was hypersensitive. God, should I go left to go to the or should I go? I mean, I was hyper. But one of the things that I realized in a, in that process is at a certain point, God stopped talking like that to me because sometimes as a babe in Christ, God humors you. Yes. He'll humor you. And, and he'll, 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 he'll play the fleece game in the beginning. But as when he's desiring you to grow up, the Holy Spirit stops speaking the same way. Because he wants you to depend on broader means of grace for decision making. And, 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 so, and so what ended up happening is I, I was like, Lord, did you, did you Ichabod me? Did you leave me? You know, uh, I, I was wondering, and the Lord was like, no, I didn't leave you. I'm just trying to grow you up in making decisions. And, and, and one of the things that we all need to do, and particularly men, is we need to learn how to make good decisions. Y'all can say amen. It's okay. Ain't no hater, Ray. Um, um, how, 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 how many know that men need to make better decisions today? Amen. 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 And so one of the things that's ironic, though, Ironic, though, is that whenever God, and this is not a slight on women, it's just a biblical theological truth, is whenever God wants to do something on earth, he anoints a man and gives him a vision. Yeah. 
He anoints him and give him a vision and he puts in those around him a desire to be led. Uh, Innately men, whether you like it or not, even though there are women around you that are more beastly than you, there is a God-given disposition in her to be led by you. It's just how it works. Now, the paradox is that's the God-given disposition, but then there's the challenge of the fall too. So you have the paradox of the brokenness of the fall being redeemed through the gospel, yet on the other side, this massive desire to be led by you. You know, my, um, my, my, you know, I, I, my, you know, women are interesting. So I'm gonna say women. Um, so, so uh, y'all just let me do this introduction. Y'all leave me alone. <laughs> so my wife will say to me, you know, I don't know how y'all do it. But y'all can say something and we know that it's a hundred million more. Why you got your arms for looking at me like that? <laughs> it's a hundred million. She'll say, what's the plan? Now she'll say it in a chill way. But I get irked because I know that there are tones and notes under there that's basically saying, Negro, you ain't got no plan. <laughs> and um and I you know I try to well um number one number two and number that's how she know I'm lying like a mug right right but there's an even though she's a very detailed person there's an expectation as the visionary that I'm supposed to give direction that she listen that she can do but that she doesn't want to feel the burden of doing. In other, in, other, in other words, there's some burden we as men need to learn, not when we're married to take on, but, 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 but as a single man, you got to learn how to take on the burden of life. You got you to put your grown man britches on, like my grandmama used to say, and you got to begin to say, okay, I, I, I can't be a Toys R Us kid for the rest of my life. I, I got I to pick up my stuff and begin to go forward in life like God wants us to. So let me set the foundation here. Um, it's interesting that the book of Proverbs is an interesting book. It's a book of two types of people. It's a book of the wise and it's the book of the stupid. Period. Now y'all saying stupid is too harsh of a word. When Nabal is one of the three words for fool that's used in Proverbs and Nabal means stupid fool. It means you're not a fool. You are, you are super fool. Uh, you're a super fool. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, so, so you got chokmah, which those who get information wise, chokmah is the Hebrew word meaning to, to get the right information and know what to do with it. Right? And so, and, so, and so comparatively, there are a bunch of metonymies of adjuncts and hypercatastases and, and similes and metaphors, synonymous parallelisms, congruent parallelisms throughout the book to kind of lay out artistically the science of kingdom thinking. And so as you, as you work through all of these different things, you'll hear passages like this, the wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool hastens to destruction. See, that's how you know somebody old talking. 
See, old people say uh, just one-liners to you. Tear your entire existence up. <laughs> just tear you up. That's like, that's because they ain't got no more energy. So they say, I got to figure out a way to bite this thing down, to say it to you. I, I ain't got time for a sermon no more. I'm going to give you a statement that says every, all I just want to say, and I'm going to just leave you with it, let it sit on you, and then I'm going to sip on some tea. <laughs> like Kermit. Look. You'll see, it says, a fool's way is right in his own eyes. He said, but baby, whoever listens to counsel is wise now. A fool's displeasure is known at once, but whoever ignores an insult is sensible. Then they do you like that. Do like that. They hit you like that, right? Why? Because in this context, it's interesting. Even though it's for all believers, in specific context, it's fathers talking to sons. And as fathers are talking to sons, they're, they're teaching their sons the importance of making good decisions. And this passage is about uh, um, the OGs teaching the young boys how to actually make good decisions. In other words, uh, there's destiny that hinges on good decision making. There are trajectories of generations that, that, that lays on the reality of decision making. Decision making can shift somebody's destiny in ways that it could have never done unless there was a patriarchal man who took his stance in the family, who took his place in the family and stood as a godly head. Several ways of thinking of the will of God. I'm going to do a series on this, so don't, don't lose it. But I'm going to do a series on this, but hear it. <coughs> One group talks about the three wills of God. Number one, the sovereign will. Number two, the moral will. Stay with me because it's the theological foundation for our text. And the individual will. Sovereign will is that big stuff God just going to do. I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The things known are for you, the things unknown is for him. Sovereign will stuff. Moral will. You know, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Talks about, talks about the reality of decision making when it talks about the idea where you should get to a point where you can be able to discern good from evil. Now you should get to a point in your life. I'm going to come back to that. We're able to do that. He says, babies on milk, grown folk is on meat. When you get in the meat ministerial level of your life, you should be able to make good decisions. Individual will. Uh, it talks about the good works that God has for all of us to walk in. Now this is the one I really, really like. Now it includes these three to a certain extent, but it's five kind of wills, if you will. Um, First is the sovereign will again. That's, that's that Ephesians 1, that big stuff. Sovereign will is the stuff you can't change. In other words, Jesus is coming back no matter what you do. If you act a fool, he coming back. And if you live right, he coming back. There's nothing your individual actions can do to bring Jesus Christ back or cause him not to come back. The issue is, is living in accordance with the reality of the fact that he's coming back. Then there's the perceptive will or those commands of God. It's funny. It's funny. People don't realize there's 613 laws in the Torah, but there are 1,050 laws of Christ in the New Testament. So there are more laws in the New Testament to keep by the grace of God through the power of the spirit than it is the law of Moses. So in many ways, the law of Christ is more weightier than Moses' law because the tutor is gone. So now when you understand the commanded will of God, you don't have to ask, should I commit adultery or not? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I need the spirits leading. <laughs> no, nah, the command is already there. Silly, don't commit adultery. You don't have to pray about that. 
See, those commands that are already clearly written in Scripture, you don't have to pray about, should I pray about this? That's not a question. Yeah. Bible says pray without ceasing, right? A command. Y'all tracking with me, right? Yeah. Then there's that um, um, preferential will, or uh, uh, it's, it's also called God's will of disposition. This will describes God's attitude or disposition towards something. It tells us what is pleasing to him, what gives God pleasure. I don't want to go too far in this, but like in Matthew 18, verse 14, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, passages like that. I got to move. The directive will of God. I like this one. Because sometimes people lose. Are y'all tracking with me still? Uh, um, this refers to the Holy Spirit's persona and direct guidance in our lives. I do believe God still speaks through dreams Amen. and visions and even non-revelatory prophetic utterances. That means it's not the word of God, but it's submitted to it. Amen. So, so, so when we talk about that, that's that non-directive will. And, but, but many people want God's directive will without understanding his sovereign and commanded will. See, I want a prophet to come. No, sometimes you need to get in the Bible. How about that? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, 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 um, um, and then discerning the will of God. Again, that, 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 that whole idea of for, uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and Hebrews chapter fifth, um, 5, rather, verse 12. Mm. I'm going to skip that. I got to move. Mm, mm, mm. First point. First point in this text. We talk about training to make good decisions, number one. Whatever you are serious about in life, you plan for. Whatever you are serious about in life, you plan for. Look at the text. Somebody liked the point. It says, the reflections of the heart belong to mankind. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The, the Hebrew word for reflections is the Hebrew word arak. It is a massive word. Um, th th this word uh, uh, is translated in the NASB um, and the ESV as plans. So the, 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 the reflections of the heart or the plans of the heart belong to man. And so, so, so there's several things in this. When we look at this idea of reflections or plans, it means to order based on meditated considerations. Okay, it means, it, it means when you're considering something, you're thinking about how it can get done. The, the, the word is a word of order. It's a word of order. It's a word of order. Uh, um, it, it means, I, I like one, one lexicon says, arrangement of ideas with regard to future actions. I like that. That means men should be thinking futuristically. Men, you should be thinking about the future. You should be planning for the future. Amen. See, 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 it's interesting. See, men don't know this about women do that just all the time. I don't know why God would do that. Why wouldn't he give us that, right? He just, so a woman, when she meet you and she want to marry you, she know what her dress is going to be. She know what, a, what type of hors d'oeuvres going to be there, who the bridesmaids are going to be, what color. Y'all know all of that. Man, we be like, what you want? I don't know, you, you choose. 
Y'all know we be wilding. So, but, but, but the Bible says that, that's, that it's manly to be a planner. It's manly to be orderly. It's manly to dream with a plan. You ever met somebody, they just dream, 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 dream. They just dream all over the place. But, 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 but a dream should never be mobile. It should be stable. Because a dream stops being a dream. See, it's, it's okay to dream, but a dream and vision are two different things. See, a dream is something you think up. A vision is something you're planning to get done. That's the difference. That's when it gets out of dream and wish sequence. And so when we look at this word though, it's an interesting word in the Hebrew because it's used a lot of times in interesting context of arranging items of worship. When, 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 um, when, when Abraham took Isaac and he got the wood and they went up the, the place to worship, it says that he arranged, he arracked the wood. In other words, in other words, planning is worship. Planning is worship. It's an act of worship. It's not against our worship time with God to plan. That, 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 that's, that's, that's so important. God is a planner though. God is a planner. Do you think when God spoke, he didn't already know the intricacies of what was coming into existence? His verbiage was so tight that when he said something to come into existence, it arranged itself in the order just because he said come into order. Come into existence. It's funny, God didn't make Adam until he created the universe because he loved us enough to not bring us into nothing anyway Christ came to save us he didn't just say oh y'all forgiven no Jesus Christ said he was slain before the foundation of the earth he planned oh y'all y'all ain't in here with me y'all ain't in here God is a planner God is a planner he's a meticulous Predestination isn't about whether you're Calvinist or Arminian. It's about God being a planner. <laughs> it's about God being a planner. He plans stuff. He has intentions for stuff. <laughs> but look what he says. He says the reflections happen somewhere, though. L help me. Help, listen to me. It happens in a particular place. He says the reflections of the heart. Now, in, in our Western mindset, heart just means feelings and the thing in our chest. Hebrew mindset, heart is just, just all of the inner being put together. In other words, it's both the intellect and the emotions. In other words, God, God, that's why Christ redeemed our intellect and our emotions through the gospel. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Because God knows that emotions by itself is dangerous. So you gotta have intellect to inform emotions. But he knows that intellect by itself is boring. It's boring. You just let somebody, let the teacher just in your class, and over, turn over the page, as well, and they just going down the thing. You're gonna be about to knock your, your neck, about the shoulder, head coming up, because you're bored. But, but you gotta have passion with information. And so what God wants in planning is he wants fiery passion yet didactic order yes. those say, but, uh, but, but then volitional part of it is the commitment to actually do what's there we're going to talk about that in a second
So we look at that. He says, the, the, the latter clause is interesting, family, because it said, um, the reflections of the heart belong to man. That means God does not plan individual will. Hear me today. God does not plan everything out in your life. This sounds like heresy. He does not. They are plans that belong to you. This stuff that God is waiting on you to do. And God doesn't, I'm getting ahead of myself, give direction to people who don't plan. So it's in the text. Listen to me. That's why he says, the plans belong to you. That means when you ask God to do something, he's like, okay. Because they belong to, he's waiting on you, man, to start listing things out. Nobody should ask you too many things that you say you're serious about. That you don't have a plan for. <laughs> if you say you want to be a barber, what's the plan? If you say you want to start a business, what's the plan? If you say you want to marry her, you definitely when we get married. Well, you know, that's not an answer. If I see one more person dating for 10 years, five years, three years, and just are open ended. Help me today in tongues. God. <laughs> that, it's, it should be a plan for things. Your education should have a plan. We can't just have a plan how to, how to get Jordans that's about to come out and Yeezys. We got a plan how to do that. I need to go get in line first and then I need to have three people over here that's on the website. That's doing, we got plans for all that. I'm going to stand in line this many hours. I should get there in this time. No, everything in your life that you think seriously about should have plans. And the serious things in your life should be the things of God first. The things of God first. And, and so when we, but, but, but listen to what the text says, though. It says, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That means that even though you plan doesn't mean God going to do it. You're like, but you just told me to plan. That's because... Listen, sometimes God will say no to the timing of the plan, not to the plan itself. And you have to know the difference between no to timing, not no to plan. Then you got to know the difference between the no to the, the no to the timing because of the no to the plan. Okay. Some of y'all looking at me funny. So, so I remember when I, I knew that God wanted me to write, write, write books. I was very, very clear on it, that God wanted me to write books. And so I went to this publisher and, and they um, were like, um, I wanted to publish my dissertation. That was gonna be my first book. So I was gonna break my dissertation down into layman's terms and I was gonna write it. Then all of a sudden, they said no. They didn't say no, they said, well, you're gonna need to get your, you need a, 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 a missiologist. I said, well, I have a doctorate in missiology. What are you talking about? I said, you know what, cool. So it, it was taking me through too much. Then, um, I ended up going to another publisher. They took me through too much. So I said, you know what? I know I'm supposed to write, but I'm a chill right now. Then all of a sudden, I ain't gonna name drop the person, called me, big time dude calls me, E, yo man, I need, uh, I, I need you, we wanna fly you out uh, to Lifeway. And I was like, okay, whatever. And you know, I'll go. I went out, they said, well we picked five people in the nation that we feel like have growing platforms that we wanna invest in their writing. 
So I was like, okay, cool. You know, you know, I'm still cynical, you know, a little bit. So they said, well, man, you're one of those people. I was like, wow. So, so I, I, you know, I'm sitting in there and they helping me, and all these executives in the room, they coming in and out. Like, it's like I'm getting a record deal or something. It's weird, you know, you know. Uh, and then, um, and then all of a sudden they came back, these are things you need to be writing on. Okay, go and write. So I'm like, dang. You know, and, and, and what ends up, what ended up happening is all of the books like started happening. And it was like any, this, this is not bragging, this is the grace of God. Anytime I want to write a book, I can get a deal from several companies. It's crazy now. It, yet, yet if I would have let myself get discouraged when God said no, I would have stopped. There's some things that God put in you that he said a timing no to not a destiny no to. Because once God swings the pendulum open, it starts with your commitment to being in the planning process to have discipline. If you don't have discipline, God can't put you in place. Listen, Joseph, before Joseph, before Joseph could rule Egypt, he had to be a slave and a prisoner. He learned how to rule Egypt in a prison and in a house. Listen, that's why you got to, this is for free. You got to steward as a planner every season God puts you in. You got to maximize it like God's coming back tomorrow. And, 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 and press the envelope because God uses every season of planning, planning as a soul editing process to help you to become the best of what he wants you to be so that when that season comes where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, you've already been trained through the experience of going back and forth with God in a corner where now he's going to put you on top of the building. I'm by myself today. If I was at my old Pentecostal church, I'd have had two runners on me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Next point. Next point. I'm going to get all this out. Somebody say, get it all out. <laughs> point number two. Plans are judged on a heart level. Plans are judged on a heart level. Look at what the text says. All of a person's ways seem right to him. You know, none of us don't think we do no wrong. You know, you know, a lot of us, you need like when you get in the Bible that day and you spend good time in prayer that day and you, uh-huh, and you journal real good that day, you, you think you deserve a good day. But our best attempts at holiness are filled with ill motive. <laughs> And so, 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 so he said, and so, 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 but even in the midst of our ill motive, the blood covers us, yeah. right? And so, and so, so he said, a person, way, so when we're planning, usually we're like, oh, I know I'm killing it. Oh, I know this comes from the right place. And God's like, oh, okay, okay. You think you're in the right place? Cool. Guess what the last part says? And the Lord weighs his motives. Now, guess what he does? He'll take your plans and what you say you want to do. He'll put it on one side of the scale. Then he'll put your mind, emotions, and will on this side and see if you practically want what you wrote down. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. When I told God I was going to pastor and I'm, I'm willing to pastor, I'm willing to do what you want me to do, God. You know, when you go, to, I don't want to run no more. Hallelujah, God. And all that, right? 
God like, I'll see. So he sent me people that were easy to love first. Oh, come over, come in, come on in. Enjoy in there. <laughs> God was like, that ain't the test. Them 10 right there are your test. God said, let's see if you really want a pastor. I'm gonna send you some hard people to sanctify your calling. You ain't lived till you had your calling tested. Listen, the easy thing in your life ain't what shape you the best. The thing that shapes you in your life is the harder thing in life. Some hard people, some hard situations were anointed specifically, not for you to change them, not for you to tell them all, but for God to show you what kind of person you really are. Hey, God, God, God wants to weigh your motives. And he's not weighing your motives to judge you. He's weighing your motives to say, see where you really are? He says, now, I liked what you put on paper. I want you there. But you're not practically there. So let's work on this. And so there are some, there are some people that the devil didn't bring in your life. There's some people God brought them. And then some people, the devil did bring with God's permission. And guess what? Both have the same goal. Affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. <laughs> but, but listen, when you think of decision making as just where you want to go versus who God wants you to be, you've missed it. That's why he says, that's why he talks about God weighing the heart. That's why he says God, God weighing the heart, right? Now he goes on. He goes on. Oh, oh, oh this, no, no, let me give you some application here. I got to get these couple things. Number one, you got to ask yourself, why am I planning this? And under that, when you say, why am I planning this? What does God get out of what I'm planning? What, what does God get out of it? What does he get out of it? Number two, how does this invest in the kingdom, my plan? How does it invest in the kingdom? How does it do something bigger than just for you and your family? How does it do something bigger? God is about big. He's a big God, so he likes big stuff. That doesn't mean he doesn't do big stuff in simple things, quality. But what does others get out of it? How are others impacted? Ne next, does your plan force you to steward your life, opportunities, and God's resources well? Does, does it force you to do that? Right? Last point, and I'm out your way. Good decisions involve radical faith. I hate that I have to put radical in front of faith because faith is radical. But because we don't view faith radically, I have to add radical to it. Okay? Look at, look at verse 3. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. Means roll them to the Lord. Right? Roll them to the Lord and they'll, they'll be established. They'll be established. It's interesting. When you look at plans being established, you got to think about the three type of people that's out there. There are three types of people. Number one, the free-spirited. Number two, the, methodolo the, the, the methodical. 
And number three, the motionless. The free-spirited is the one, oh, let's just go. You ever met somebody like that? They don't have no plan. Let's just jump in the car and go. I remember I was at college this dude, one of my, my, my dudes was like, yo, let's just go to Atlanta. I'm like, man, like this ain't like when, like Siri, how do you get to Atlanta? This is like, go to the gas station, get a map that opens up across the entire dashboard, go get a red pen and draw, okay, you, you don't even know how many miles is between, you gotta go over to the side of the map, so you just give it a rule, that, that's a different season. We saw, he, somebody, he wanted to just get on the road. What's the plan, where are we gonna stay, how long does it take, I don't know, we should just go. Those people don't plan nothing. The methodical overplan. They plan, but never move or they move too slow. But they think, they, but they, they, the, they the arrogant ones, I, I plan. But then we're gonna say, what you do though? But you got files for days, right? Last person is the motionless. They talk themselves out of everything. But guess what, all three of those people that are naturally, that, that are sinfully wired that way, are all called to be equally planners the way God called us to be, right? Look at what it says in verse four. It says, the Lord has prepared everything for his purpose, even the wicked for disaster. It's interesting. God is saying, I, every, even though I don't plan your individual plans, even though I have a plan for your life, the individual plans under the plans that I have for your life, you plan, but look, even in the midst of the plans that I don't plan, I still have a purpose in your plan. Yes. <laughs> so you won't experience maximum purpose unless you're planning. Because God has to have purpose for your planning and if you don't have a plan, he doesn't have a purpose for you. But then it says, even the wicked for his day. So he gives an example. It's like a loose example. He says, like this is how, how purposeful God is. God even recycles wicked people for stuff that he got plans for, right? Verse 9 says, a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. Yes, know why that's beautiful? Know why that's beautiful? The reason why that's beautiful is because, listen, God only orders the steps of planners. This in context. He won't order your steps until you make plans. Steps come from plans, not from out of nowhere. <laughs> and so the, 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 the Lord will direct your steps. I, I remember we were supposed to be on 22nd and Ridge. We weren't even supposed to be on 17th and Diamond. That's why I wanted Epiphany at first. We did all this demographic study down there, all the development and renewal that was happening, and we wanted to go over there. And I went to, met with this guy. I couldn't find a building anywhere. See, the plan was to have a building, have a space to do ministry out of, but the place wasn't clear. Went asked somebody. He said, try this building. We said, okay, we'll be here temporarily. I was still looking on broad, and I was looking on other places. Went in the basement here. Uh, we, lived, we was in here for a while. I said, oh man, we're not looking to buy this building. Next thing I know, a year and a half, we're buying this building and now you're sitting in this room. Steps ordered. The, that, that, that's, God works that way. He calls us to plan. So how does this look in Jesus' life? And I'm done. Jesus going to the cross, he was submitting to God's sovereign will because the Bible says he was slain before the foundation of the earth. Help me today. Being influenced by the moral will of God by saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And seeing 
the light of the individual, seeing his life in light of individual calling, the I must statements, I must die. I must suffer many things. Lastly, and here it is, I want you to write down the word wipe. W-I-P-E, put a dot between it, between the letters, and after the last one. Wipe, the W stands for worship, the I stands for ink, the P stands for present and pray, and then the E stands for edit and expect. Wipe, worship, ink, I, P, present, pray, and E, edit and expect. I'm done. Father God, we thank you that you are the orchestrator of, the, of our life and that we get to know that our steps are ordered, but our steps are ordered when we're submitting to your planning and doing work and planning and doing all those great things where you push us to plan and nurture us and develop us so that we can be who you want us to be. You don't want us in a holding pattern. Maybe someone here today. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.